The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to with you, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. Our topic today is what happens when a city and the school district within that city work together toward a, a goal of zero waste. And we talk a lot about uh, recycling and organics diversion and things like that on Go Green Radio. Um, but oftentimes it's a little bit siloed. It might be from one government agency's perspective or maybe a success story from one business. But today we're going to be talking about a very unique collaboration in the city of Oceanside, California, where the city and the school district have come together um, to create uh, a situation that is pretty exciting, and I am so thrilled to have three ladies on today who are going to be talking to us about how they've accomplished this. The first guest that we're going to be talking to is Colleen Foster, and she is the city uh, of Oceanside's manager of their Zero Waste program. Colleen, welcome to Go Green Radio. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You know, when cities talk about adopting a goal of zero waste, you know, that that term is a little bit confusing to folks. Does that mean that nothing from the city will go to the landfill or um, are there varying degrees of quote unquote zero waste? Help us understand what that kind of a goal entails. Excellent question. Um, Actually, it's interesting. Our tagline for zero waste is on the road to zero waste. So in 2010, uh, we passed our zero waste resolution with a goal of diverting 5 to 90% of the materials out of the landfill by 2020. So not necessarily zero, but we're working um, towards achieving a greater diversion rate. And eventually the idea is that once we get to those 90% numbers, we're looking at that remaining 10%. Why do these materials exist in the first place? Can we recycle them? Can we reuse them? Or are they so toxic that we should not be using them? And at the end of the day, that's part of the journey. And hopefully eventually one day we will not be sending materials to the landfill because that's a waste and a failure of our society. Absolutely. Now, Colleen, at what point did you decide to involve the Oceanside Unified School District in the Zero Waste School? And maybe even more importantly, how did you get them on board? Well, I definitely will not take the credit for that, but uh, we'll be talking to one of the champions in just a few minutes, Jenna Rorapa. But when the city passed a zero waste resolution, part of that resolution was to develop a zero waste plan. Um, you know, we cannot get a community behind an initiative without paying attention to one of the largest aspects of the community, which is the school district. And you have over 20,000 students, and all those students go home to families that live in Oceanside. So that's over 100,000 people in our community. That's the majority of our population. So no city, no organization can pass or 
be successful with a zero waste initiative if we're not involving every community within that organization. So when we started to develop the zero waste plan, um, a champion out of OUSD who was working on her graduate uh, degree um, came to the city and, and basically brought an idea to really incorporate and um, integrate the school system within our own city zero waste plan. And, and fortunately, I, I was like, this is good, let's do it. And and um, we've been moving ever since. Well, you know, it's not unusual for there to be some kind of a champion within the school district. However, in some municipalities, the city government and the school district maintain very separate goals, programs, Mm -hmm. and personnel. And that's very much on purpose uh, because, you know, a lot of school boards, um, you know, really are passionate about the idea of local control and that they are the elected officials, you know, that have been um, entrusted to manage the school district and they bristle a little bit um, at, you know, any kind of city government um, intervention. And so I'm wondering if you ran into any obstacles in your efforts to collaborate with the school district. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's definitely about champions, but it's also about trying to find a way in and trying to find a common ground where my goal becomes the school district's goals. It's a benefit to the school district, not only in regards to environmental education, but eventually it's an economic benefit. So, you know, um, I've been with the city of Oceanside for 10 years. The first five years, I definitely, you know, was challenged with some of those barriers. We would develop programs. Would it really get incorporated? Or if one parent was into it and when that parent left, would the program fail? So eventually it really had to become something the school adopted and wanted. And with the support of an excellent franchise hauler, our partner, and with the support of our city council, we were able to really have a discussion and bring to the table, you know, the opportunity of reducing waste. And really, you know, schools, businesses alike, they're paying to dispose of these materials. So if I can work with you, it's not about a mandate. It's really about, you know, if I can work with you so you're not spending resources to dispose of materials, you're spending resources in the classroom. You're educating students about the environment and about science. You know, we can come to a common ground. And I think eventually with the zero waste resolution and the zero waste plan, we incorporated the school district within the plan. Um, We were able to successfully create um, a lasting relationship that um, will take us into the next five years at full implementation. You know, I want to bring on Jenna Rorapaw. You mentioned her just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. And Jenna is the coordinator of the Oceanside School District's Zero Waste Initiative. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Jenna. I'm so glad to have you on the program. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'd love for you to talk to us about the Zero Waste Initiative, uh, talk to us about the program, and specifically what types of learning experiences for the students it entails. Oh, um, the this initiative, the Zero Waste Initiative, is actually um, not just for the students. It's actually designed to create a culture change over a period of, of a, um, an entire semester for the staff and also for um, for the parents and the families of these students. And what we do is um, really show them the resources that they are using every day and give them ownership of those resources and the power to make change um, within their school and within their community. And I think that responsibility and that ownership towards 
the materials that they use every day um, is a huge educational experience, and it really um, empowers the youngest young members of our um, of our community that feel as if they um, maybe don't have all the power to create real change within their community, and um, so they are. Besides the that sense of ownership, they're looking at all of the materials they use every day, and it really is a waste production program as much as a recycling program and a zero waste program. Um, they're looking at what they can do to change the materials they use every day um, in order to reduce their waste and then manage those materials properly to make sure that they get in the in the proper place um, to be recycled when they can. Right. And now how do you, uh, you know, you've you mentioned some of the people and the stakeholder mm-hmm. groups that are involved. Tell us exactly who from the campus community is involved in the program and, and, and how you go about bringing them on board. Well, it is the entire school. I was part of the green team um, within those schools, those green leadership, um, leadership roles. However, the administrative um team is very important. Um, so we're going sort of from the top down as well as the bottom up. I mean, you have um, the principal is very important, the lead custodian, the, the um, nutritional services, cafeteria leads. Um, and then we also have a couple of staff members. This really is a, a program that gets incorporated into, you know, the, the administration of the school so it can sustain itself over time. And then parents, if they feel like they want to be involved, students um, students come, become part of the green leadership team. Um, there's other champions involved, but really it is the administration and leaders of the school are, are really important in this role. So it sounds and like you're really and- institutionalizing it rather yeah. than um, making it a program that's only going to last a year or two. Is that correct? That is very correct. Institutionalizing the program has been from the start um, the goal, um, and really to make this a sustainable change. Uh, so yeah, that is that, that has been the goal from the very beginning, making this something that is daily routine for the um, you know for the the people who are in charge of programs at the schools. Mm-hmm. Well, and some of the school districts that I work with in the nonprofit organization that I run, the Go Green Initiative, mm-hmm. um, you have a lot of turnover, a lot of principals mm-hmm. that are year over year, custodians the same way, teachers, and of course, parent volunteers will come and go. Um, and so having this as part of the school culture, I think, is, is vital. And Lisa Contreras is the other guest that we have on today. And I'm sure that what you do as the director of communication for the Oceanside Unified School district plays a big role in helping to make this a year-over-year effort. Um, Lisa, talk to us about how you work with Colleen and Jenna to amplify the lessons that the kids and the adults are learning at school to the broader community. What kinds of communication tools and methods do you use to do that? Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that this is um, the resolution that we did in January 2014. It's really important to note that this is a district-wide resolution, so it's re- and we have communicated that out to our um, to our community um, internally and externally. So when you talk about turnover, we all know 
that this is one of our um, kind of tenants that we're doing to reduce our waste. Our principals are on board, our leadership, especially our board and our superintendent. So we're really excited about the partnership that we have with the city mm-hmm. and being able to talk about that to the broader community and working with Jenna and the city to be able to do that is just a very exciting opportunity for us. Our kids get so excited about it. It starts in the classroom. Um, the kids learn about about what can be recycled, what can't be recycled, where they go. There's pictures of, of um, recycled materials, what can go in the trash, what can't go in the trash. And the kids, the kids and, the, and the teachers really make it into a learning opportunity that can sustain them for the rest of their life. It's a very exciting opportunity. Fantastic. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about with Colleen and Jenna and Lisa. So folks, don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Um, Our topic today is the city of Oceanside, California. They are truly a role model in bringing the city government and the unified school district within their jurisdiction together in partnership toward solving a big, big problem. And that is 
how much waste they're sending to their local landfills. And they have both adopted, both the city and the school district, resolutions and policies that support a goal of zero waste. And today we're talking to some folks from the city, some folks from the uh, school district about how they have been able to create this partnership and sustain this goal over time. Now, Jenna is the uh, program coordinator of the School District Zero Waste Initiative. And Jenna, you're employed by the city, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so when you start the Zero Waste Initiative in a new school, what are the steps that you take to enact the program? Well, you did talk about, you know, working closely with the school district, and I think one way we've been able to very much do that is by giving data. Um, We work with business services, so, you know, data, cost savings, those are important things to track. And so the first thing we do when we go to a school is we perform a waste audit. Um, So a waste audit is performed through the city staff, um, and that's measure what they're creating each day, um, how they can reduce their waste, and then what type of infrastructure is needed in place. However, that also sets a baseline of what they're, what materials they're using, how much waste they're producing, so that we can go back when, once the um, program is implemented and we can really look at the amount of cost savings and the amount of waste reduction they have seen over time. Mm-hmm. So after a waste audit is performed, um, then we begin to educate staff and students based on the findings of that particular waste audit. So it really, again, goes back to that ownership. This is the waste they are creating. It's not a number they can't relate to. It's the number they are creating each day, which then can effectuate, help them to effectuate change among the school um, programs that they have. So uh, once the staff is is educated, uh, we do individual classroom presentations so that each student can ask questions, each student understands the program, the where, the why, the what, um, of where they should put their waste, how they can reduce their waste, um, and what is recyclable. And then we go back. Um, then we place the infrastructure after all of that is done. Uh, infrastructure that is provided um, through the city of Oceanside. So all of their recycling bins, all of their signage. We, you know, one important thing to look at is you know, many schools have trash cans. So we end up taking away half of their trash cans and repla- at least half in some cases and replacing them with recycling bins. Um, so then it, it becomes um, everywhere they go to deposit waste and recycling, they have that choice. There's a sign, they understand where it goes, and that it really makes the change so dramatic. So once that's implemented, we go back, we check their waste, we um, look at their cost savings that, they, that they've had over time, um, and then, they, then we report those findings back to the district. That's fantastic. Very comprehensive, and, uh, and I'm sure that once they see those cost savings, as long as the school gets to keep those cost savings, I'm sure that's a big motivator. One of the things that, that I've seen in some districts is that the waste hauling bill is paid by the school district, not the individual schools. So even if individual schools do a great job of recycling, sometimes they don't get the benefit of that cost savings back to the campus. Is there any mechanism in your program for ensuring that if a, an individual school saves money on waste hauling, they get that money? 
That would be a district initiative. Um, that is not something that we control. Uh, we are very, um, those lines are, are very clear. We want to make sure that we are, are doing our, our best to support programs. Um, I think that that has been discussed, but that would be something that Lisa would probably be better to, um, better to answer. However, we do provide many initiatives through the city. So we make sure that those schools are rewarded in all types of ways. Mm-hmm. That they are, um, you know, the individual children who are uh, working on these programs um, get small rewards. They get media coverage. We pull them in as leaders through um, going to um, city council meetings to make sure that anything that they can do to promote sustainability, zero waste environmental stewardship throughout the, throughout the city, um, they are part of that program. So, yes, we, we make sure they are rewarded in any way that we can. Um, Fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's awesome. Colleen, on the City of Oceanside's environmental education page um, on the website, it reads something that I believe and I love what you say here. Um, it says, educating our youth about environmental issues is ultimately the best way to reach Oceanside households. Now, I'm a big believer in that. I think kids are great for bringing messages home and they're transformative. Um, but some people are skeptical about that that phenomenon. So talk to us about why you believe that's true. Is there a way that you can measure it to prove that to people who might be skeptical uh, that that's the case about committing city dollars to a school program? Talk to us about that. Well, that's an excellent question. Um, I mean, other than the fact that our youth are our future, so obviously we want to teach good habits for them so they can do better in the future than our own generation. Other than that fact, one of the interesting things about this program, again, prior to implementing this program, our zero waste plan um, and prior to OUSD um, adopting their own zero waste resolution, it was, you know, our diversion rates, you know, would kind of hang at 50%. Again, in 2010, we set a goal of 75 to 90% by 2020. Today, we're at a 71% recycling rate. When the zero waste schools initiative gets implemented, usually in a semester, we start with a 10 to 20% recycling rate at a school. And at the end of the semester, we see schools go from 60 to 75% recycling rate. So we see results in the participation of recycling. And what's interesting in the community, as the schools program has expanded, we now have implemented the program in 11 schools out of the 23 schools. As that program has been implemented, I've seen an increase in participation of recycling as well as other environmental activities within the communities surrounding those schools. And really, there's no better way to educate a grandmother, a father, a mother, or a sister um, other than a kid at home calling you out when you put mm-hmm. a recyclable in the trash can. And, and I really, I have a great time when I go to some of our environmental events and maybe I'll staff a booth 
I really love it when people come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, you have turned my child into, like, the zero-waste police at my house. I cannot do anything. And, and now I'm using reusable bags, and how dare I use a plastic bag, and, and now we're going to Goodwill or the reuse store, and we're doing upcycling. You know, my child is dictating the green lifestyle that we are now living, and we appreciate it. And I have never had that kind of response from a flyer or another program. And, and people don't realize the resources it takes to send out, you know, 200,000 brochures. And is that really effective at the end of the day? Or did that get, you know, in a pile of mail at home and no one paid attention to it? So, you know, really these students are not only leaders in their school, they're leaders in the community. And most importantly, they're the leader in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you make the kids ambassadors. They feel empowered. Um, I love it. I think that's terrific. Now, Jenna, Colleen uh, mentioned that you have got the program going in 11 out of 23 schools in Oceanside. Are those schools different grade levels or are they all elementary schools? Um, how, I'm wondering how you adapt the zero waste initiative to fit the needs of various grade levels. Well, yeah, I, I it was the pilot was started in in um, elementary schools, but this is a strategic. It's been a very strategic implementation. So we've really worked with the district. We've looked at the feeder schools that go from uh, the elementary into the middle, and then the middle into the high school. So at this point, we've done eight elementary schools, two middle schools, and one high school, and we have one more middle school and high school um, slated for implementation in the fall of, of this coming year. So the, the schools, once they reach the middle school, and I have to say, the middle schools are the hardest <laughs> because they, all of a sudden, everything that they've learned, you know, they're in a big pot and they need to be cool. So mm-hmm. it, it becomes a different program once they get to the middle school. But the point is, they know the behaviors. The behaviors have been ingrained. They know what to do. And there still is a core group of students that very much are interested in the promotion of zero waste and the promotion of environmental stewardship. And so it really, instead of becoming something where they're instructing other students, it becomes more their project-based. So they're doing projects that then support zero waste. They're doing um, promotion throughout the school to show uh, a continuation of zero waste. And then we did our first high school last year um, in the fall, and we're very pleasantly surprised because those middle schoolers come back around again, <laughs> and they um, then become, you know, again, more involved and more interested in the community, so they're, they are um, promoting Zero Waste. We made a wonderful video um, with um, a consultant last year with um, some of the high school students um, cleaning up a, a river, one of our uh, rivers because we are a coastal community that empties into the ocean, and their reaction based on what they found, they were actually on stand-up paddle boards. It was a very unique um, unique part of the high school program that we hope to continue. And so they went out, cleaned up this river. We made a video of it, and it's very powerful. Um, and we were able to show that to all of the students at the high school. And it, you know, that impacts their everyday habits and as well as they're they're now going on choosing careers 
and going into our community and they become those responsible community members that we hope to, um, that we're working very, very diligently to create. So it's been great to see that progression. And some of those, some of the students that started in the first elementary schools that we did are now in high school. So we're able to see those same students progress and how, um, and really see the way that they've changed over time. It's been very rewarding. And actually, Ed, can I add a point sure, to that? Absolutely. This is a really unique aspect of this Zero Waste Schools initiative compared to other, you know, school recycling projects, et cetera, is that strategic plan. It is a lot easier to go into a high school when I know those high school students have been indoctrinated into better um, environmental habits in elementary school and junior high. So we, we definitely stick to that plan, and I, I, I you know, recommend for other program, you know, other people that are implementing many similar programs. Don't allow yourselves to go down different routes just because one teacher over here is really excited about something. Really stick to that progression. Support the full school district, and you'll see significant results at the end of the day. So that's a unique component about this program that I think has really led to the success of it and the overall adoption and support um, at all levels of the school district. That's a great tip. Uh, really appreciate you interjecting that because I think that is very important. Sometimes we tend to chase a rabbit down a trail just because, like you said, somebody's very, very interested, but it might not, you know, fall in line with that with the the milestones and the progression that makes sense from a programmatic standpoint. And I think that's really, really a great point. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more uh, tremendous advice and great stories to tell with these ladies from Oceanside, California. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. In case you're just joining us, let me catch you up a little bit. Our topic today is emanating from Oceanside, California, where the city government and the school district have come together in partnership to work toward a citywide goal of zero waste. And we've been talking about how that partnership has worked, what the program looks like in schools. And we're going to start off this segment talking with the Director of Communication for the school district, Lisa Contreras. And Lisa, I know that you develop both internal and external communication for the school district. And I'd love for you to talk to us about how the messaging for a story about the zero waste initiative might be tweaked for an internal audience and how you might tweak it to appeal to an external audience. How do you do that? Well, the internal audience is actually pretty easy. Everybody wants uh, to be able to recycle and teach our kids how to do what's right for our for our for the earth and for our community. So teachers got on board very quickly to be able to um, to get this initiative off the ground and really teach our kids. As Colleen and um, Jenna talked about, we have eleven of our twenty three schools on board, and we're going to keep on rolling this out to all of our schools. So it's not just like an internal messaging, but it's just something that we do as a district. Every school, you know, has the right recycling. They have the right programs in place. So we just do this. It's not even a question. And our staff has been really um, on board with all of that. As far as an external audience, it's it's very easy to um, to be able to um, pitch stories or be able to talk about the great things our kids are doing. Most recently, we had um, some of our kids go to a Goodwill and pick out um, some items that would have gone into the landfill, and they repurposed them, and they were able to sell them uh, to make a little bit of money. So things like that um, are project-based, especially for our high schoolers, because it's really tactile, and some of those repurposing skills can lead into a career. So it's really easy to get people on board with this initiative because it is, it's fun, it's good for the environment, and it's something that they can sustain through their entire lives. I love it. And, and it's so, um, you, you know, it's so much of a human interest story. You've made it more about um, the students and their awakening of, their, you know, what they are putting their learning into action and actual projects rather than about the waste, you know, and I love the way that you even talk about it um, in terms of these stories. And that's really, I'm sure, very interesting to the community. It is very interesting to the community. We have one school that just goes beyond the repurposing and the recycling. We have one of our schools that has a commu- that has a garden that the kids go from planting the seeds to doing aquapon- uh, I'm sorry, aquaponics, hydroponics, being able to really um, have that farm there on their campus and be able to sell that to local businesses so they can have a farm to table 
of vegetables there. And our kids do that. And they take their parents into, you know, the restaurant so they can eat the vegetables that they've grown. And it's just a really community-wide project. And it's very, very Oceanside. Um, We all want to work together and we all want to be the best that we can for our community. Fantastic. Uh, it's uh, it's really inspiring. And Colleen, I want to go to you um, as you know, employee of the city. I, I want to pose this question to you because I'm fairly certain that our listeners who represent municipal governments, we have a lot of folks who listen to Go Green Radio who are in local public policy making positions, and I bet they have one critical question on their mind as they listen to your story, and that is, where did the city of Oceanside find the money? to underwrite an environmental education program like this? Well, good question. Tough question, usually. (laughs) But actually, it's not that much of a tough question in regards to the Zero Waste Initiative. I want to actually step back to, you know, what Lisa was talking about. Um, The Zero Waste Schools Initiative has really become, you know, a a community-driven initiative. So, the schools are leading by example. Businesses are following suit. Um, it reaches beyond just a recycling program to this is a program that's about, you know, feeding our communities for local farms. It helps supports the building of gardens. Um, it is a program that has benefits, you know, not only from a recycling or waste diversion perspective, but it has significant, you know, climate change, greenhouse gas emissions reductions. There's a lot of opportunity and a lot of um, nexus towards other types of environmental um, initiatives or issues that we have to respond to. Um, it's also a program that definitely supports our water conservation goals. So it's it's of a stream value to the city as well as the overall community. Um, and building that type of value and that type of awareness has really helped me, um, you know, our council has helped our council be able to defend the support of a program like this. I mean, um, OUSD, when they passed their zero waste resolution in 2014, they were the first school district in the nation to commit to zero waste and pass a formal resolution. That is something to be proud of. That is something that puts Oceanside on the map and gets recognition from o- for Oceanside. It brings people to our community. You know, it brings young families who want to live here, buy a home here, and, and go to these schools that are teaching our children how to be environmental stewards. So that really helps me when I have to go to city council with my yearly budget and get support for this type of initiative. And really, it it has not been an issue because it has such a positive impact on the greater community. Um, Additionally, we we are very strategic with our funds and our resources. You know, we definitely source a lot of our resources from grants, um, and we work closely with our partners and with OUSD to help them find cost savings to be able to also support the program in the long term. And we work closely with our waste hauler. You know, we actually, you know, played a role in in helping to negotiate the rates and helping the school district to have competitive services that will not only serve their zero waste goals um, for recycling, but hopefully eventually serve their goals for diverting organics. So, um, you know, I think it's it's a a full nexus that doesn't make it very difficult to defend because it's so effective. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and Colleen, 
I have to ask this question too, because when you talk about public policy, you know, politics, of course, is closely related to that. And we have listeners from all over the U.S. and around the world, and they may be under the impression that the city of Oceanside must have a politically left-leaning city council in order to adopt a zero-waste policy and commit dollars to environmental education. But I'd like for you to talk to us about the political environment in Oceanside and what motivated city leaders to adopt such a progressive stance. That's actually a point that I'm very proud of. When we passed our zero waste resolution in 2010 and then when we adopted the zero waste strategic plan, at both points and even today, we have actually had a very divided city council, um, very divided, you know, on the sense one side is, 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 is to the left and the other side is on the opposite end and opposite spectrum on what's important to our community. Um, so one of the unique things about um, our zero waste schools initiative as well as all of our other zero waste programs is I don't go in just talking about we need to save the trees or we need to save the environment. You know, I go in talking about this is an economic decision. I mean, take a look at the word waste. Waste means we failed. We did not do something right. It's not a good economies of scale. We're spending money to dispose of materials. When we can be saving that money, we could be using better resources. So it's really an economic solution. So yes, I have state mandates. I have local mandates. I even have policies that says you need to do this. But when I go in or when our program staff go in to do a waste audit and we work with a school district or a business, we go in and we help them right-size their services. Why are you spending all this money on these products, allowing those manufacturers to package those products in such a manner that you're going to spend more money on the back end to dispose of those products? One of the things with the Zero Waste Schools Initiative, it, it, at full implementation, it has the potential to save the school district sixty dollars to $80,000 a year. Um, it has the potential to really help our overall city reach our diversion goals and, and really, at the end of the day, keep our landfill costs to the city down. So it's, it's, it's been something I've always, when I've gone to city council for our policies or programs, the Zero Waste Initiative has historically, each time it goes to city council, get a unanimous vote of support, bipartisan support. Because it's an environmental, ethical, and economic solution. That's fantastic. And and kind of staying with that policy piece, Jenna, I want to ask you, I know that you've worked with the individual schools, but this program has a lot of, of cost savings and economic impacts on the school district. What impacts have you seen on district operations, maybe on their purchasing or other economic decisions that they're making? Well, there's been a couple of purchasing changes. I mean, as Colleen said, the, the rate structure that we've worked with them um, has incentivized recycling. So, uh, and many times the, the were had too much service to begin with uh, for their waste and recycling. Um, we've been able to reduce the amount of waste servicing, which is really where the cost savings comes from. And we've uh, been able to increase their recycling, which is half the cost for our city's rate structure, it's a little different for the school district, but it definitely is an incentivized rate structure to make sure that recycling costs significantly less. So um, that's where the initial cost savings comes from. Now, purchasing, as I mentioned, we took away half of their trash cans. 
liners are a big expense for, for maintenance staff. We've been able to reduce the amount of liners that they use. Um, we've been able to inc- decrease the amount of litter, which is staff time, because children are able to look at their, um, or students are able to be more responsible and find the nearest location for uh, a sorting station and really take responsibility for that waste so they're not throwing it on the ground. Um, Trash cans and recycling cans are placed next to doors in classrooms to make it easier for servicing for custodial staff. Um, And then they're purchasing as well. We've been able to make two really major changes um, and several minor within the the, uh, nutritional services arena, um, they were using styrofoam trays when this started, when this program started, and that took up about, through our waste audits, we realized it was taking up 10% of their waste stream, and wow. they were just taking, using 10% of their cost to actually dispose of these, of these trays. Um, we were able to work with nutritional services. They eliminated over 15,000 trays per day. And are and moved to a recyclable material um, that they now can divert into their recycling. Um, additionally, they were using spark packets at the time, which are the I'm sure everyone involved in schools is familiar with the spark packet. It's oh, a, yes. <laughs> a plastic container with a spork, with a napkin, with a straw. Well, most of the time they needed one piece of that, yes. and the major- the rest of it was either being disposed of properly in trash cans or being littered on the ground. Um, so that was eliminated, and single-use napkins and single-use um, fork um, dispensers were installed at all the schools. And that is not just, that was a district-wide um, uh, purchasing policy. So mm-hmm. that did not just affect the schools that have the zero-waste initiative thus far. It's the entire school district. That's so, uh, yeah, so that was a that was pretty amazing. That was that was a wonderful um, a wonderful policy change. So, and then we have many smaller ones happening all the time as we discover things such as ketchup packets. We're now using pumps. You know, we continually work with these departments to ensure that they're getting the maximum amount of cost savings and that the materials can be diverted um, once they're then being used. Absolutely. Well, this is fantastic. We've got to take a quick commercial break, and I hate to, but we've got to. Got to pay the bills. But when we come back, there's much more. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. 
Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We're joined today by three ladies from Oceanside, California. We've been talking about the partnership between the city government and the school district to work together towards a goal of zero waste. Um, Jenna, I wanted to ask you about some of the ways that students um, have an opportunity to lead in these programs. What are some of the ways that you facilitate student leadership? Well, most of the um, schools have a team, um, a green leadership team of some sort. We have, um, in many ways, left that up to the schools. Um, many of the opportunities that we present are um, we want to work within the school framework because each school is a little bit different. But most elementary schools have a green leadership team. We have Earth uh, Month that we do with the City of Oceanside. They work within our city council, as I mentioned before. And then at the school, they actually, at the elementary school, um, they do help students um, to sort their materials each day at lunch uh, and help promote the program with um, different ways, environmental education that they've done throughout, throughout the year um, in the classrooms. And then going on to the um, middle school and high school, they continue to help promote those programs. And we involve them in any way possible at the city level. That's and fantastic. I would like to add to that really quick. Um, one way they've really been able to become leaders in our community is now they've become a stakeholder in a lot of our own city zero-waste initiatives. When we took the plan forward to city council, it was not staff's presentation that got the unanimous vote. It was, you know, the 20-some kids that went up and spoke in public comment stating the city needs to do this. So they've really become a catalyst for change in the greater community and and, and are now supporting things like single-use bag bands and, you know, different types of initiatives at the city council level. So I love it that. Also helps them. Engagement. That's fantastic. It also helps them be a leader in their family mm-hmm. because they're usually it's the student that's leading the green initiative in their household. <laughs> that is so true. Even in my household, that's that's what's going on. Now, Colleen, what kind of physical infrastructure do the schools need in order to implement the zero waste initiative? And does the city provide that? Do they pay for that? Or does the waste hauler help provide maybe some of the recycling bins and what have you? Talk to us about that critical infrastructure. Well, it can go both ways. Um, our initiative, we we have used grant funds 
um, to support recycling infrastructure in the schools. So for every trash can in a, in a school, we'll put a recycling can. Um, and that, that helps us meet our overall diversion goals because if the school district is disposing of a significant amount of materials, we're not going to, as a community, meet our diversion goals because the cities are the ones that, you know, report to the state and are impacted if we have entities within our community that are not effectively implementing these types of initiatives. Um, however, there is opportunity also for the waste hauler to be a part of the solution, and, and our waste hauler has definitely stepped up to the plate. There's opportunity to provide, you know, lower rates for recycling as well as opportunity to provide different size containers that can serve the school's needs. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, you know, we, we talked just a moment ago about how the kids are communicating with their city leaders about what they think about zero waste um, initiatives and programs. It, do you work with the schools at all to create their own communications about the zero waste initiative for their, you know, school, individual school communication platforms, like maybe the principal's letter or the PTO newsletter, things like that? Well, what we do at a district level, what is um, the policies, and make sure that the principals and the teachers know about the policies that have put in, that we have put in place, and then our principals and teachers are so good about running with with these kinds of programs to make it better for the kids. Um, as you know, with our community and with our teachers and our principals, it's all about the kids and how to make this. Um, fun for them and how to make it a learning experience for them and how to make it part of their everyday lifestyle. So they are good at what they do. So we kind of let them take the reins on that. Gotcha. Now, Jenna, I'm wondering, you know, when when you talk about zero waste and you think about a waste hauler in the community, um, that might impact their economics. And so I'm wondering, I'd like to know a little bit more about the role that your local waste hauler has played in the success of the program. Did you have to do any convincing, any negotiating with them before the rollout of the program in schools? Um, No, I mean, they've been, I think, at the city level, they've been a partner with Zero Waste um, and on board um, with the policy changes in the rate structures from the get-go. Um, so when we were ready to go into the schools, I think that just followed suit. Um, I think that we had, um, you know, there was a, a, a rate structure that was that was set, um, already to incentivize recycling, and I think that has just continued over time. Um, that has continued to make sure that they're seeing those cost savings, and we've also included them in other programs um, that have allowed them to support zero waste within the schools, um, such as, you know, we just went back to all the schools and we did um, follow-up waste audits with the students, and uh, waste management was able to, who is our hauler, was able to um, provide pizza for the students. So that was, a you know, something that they could do to encourage um, the partnership and to encourage zero waste among students, schools, and the community. Well, that's very fortunate to have a great community partner like that, you know, in your waste hauler. Colleen, does the city of Oceanside collaborate with other cities to share best practices in zero waste policy and programs? 
Yes, we do. We're actually very engaged um, in San Diego County and, and across the state um, with other local organizations. Um, we believe in sharing. We believe in sharing information. I want to see my neighboring cities, I want to see my region be successful with our diversion goals, and I want to support our overall state. So um, we have been very lucky with that. We've also been um, invited to speak, you know, at conferences across the state. Uh, one of our staff is going to be talking about, you know, a partnership between Goodwill, our hauler, and the school district um, at an international conference um, in a few weeks. And and I've even spoken internationally about the Zero Waste to Schools initiative because it really does make sense for everyone involved. And it's changing the way we handle our resources. Uh, one thing I wanted to add about the waste hauler, I, I actually oversee that contract you know, waste haulers, they're going to go out of business if they don't change their business model. It needs to be about resource management, and I think our waste haulers have seen that opportunity um, and is stepping up to the plate to, to change is, their business. That is awesome. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for joining us and giving us this great information. You are tremendous role models, and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week, and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.